way of doing it, though. Okay. It's infinite jest meets Catcher oh, in the Rye. Oh, God. That's, un- that's just insufferable. <laughs> it's 7,000 pages long. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I wrote it while uh, drinking heavily. <laughs> You'd have to be. And welcome back to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. On this show, we're just dis- discussing, rather, <laughs> already fucked up, Frank Herbert's Dune series, chapter by chapter. Today, we're back to talk chapters 17 and 18 of Dune Messiah, just as soon as we feel our souls stretch from paradise to hell. It's a very yeah. extra sort of language in this chapter. Well, this chapter, a lot well, of okay. stuff goes down. Yeah. We should warn ahead of time that this chapter, lots of stuff happening. Chapter mm-hmm. 18 is a chapter that exists. Yeah. <laughs> it's the ups and the downs of Dune Messiah. Yeah. Things are happening. But first, as ever, it's time for an epigraph. Yes. Let's have it. Uh, This is another one that has word choices. (laughs) This is from the Addenda to Orders in Council from from the Emperor Paul Muad'Dib. The convoluted wording of legalisms grew up around the necessity to hide from ourselves the violence we intend toward each other. Between depriving a man of one hour from his life and depriving him of his life, there exists only a difference of degree. You have done violence to him, consumed his energy. Elaborate euphemisms may conceal your intent to kill, but behind any use of power over another, the ultimate assumption remains. I feed on your energy. So much talk about really eating, good. eating I actually energy. like that a lot. I like yeah. this sort of idea that if I waste your time for an hour, it's not the same as, as like killing you, but it's also like, wow, that was a lot. <laughs> I'm not respecting you. Emotional vampirism. Psychic vampirism. It's a thing. Yes, it's definitely a thing. It's not just something that exists in Dr. Sleep. (laughs) Which, okay, I was looking at coats today on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And I have this blazer that I got last year. It's a velvet, it's a crushed velvet blazer. And I was like, this is pretty sweet. But what if I got like a longer coat? And there's this one and it has like this tool like ruffles. And I was Mm -hmm. like... I'm about three degrees from Rose the Hat in this. <laughs> like, oh, it's a thin line if I start wearing crushed velvet with ruffles as a coat. Like, uh... We were actually, uh, we got away last weekend for our anniversary. And uh, there was like, so we were in our hotel. We were waiting for uh, Postmates. We just ordered some food. And. There was, like, really nothing else besides the TV, so we were watching Doctor Sleep, because Brian had never seen it, and I was like, Mm -hmm. well, happy anniversary. Yeah. (laughs) It's a story about (laughs) redemption and love. (laughs) (laughs) He enjoyed it, actually. said it was good, so. 
it's funny those sorts of things though because i think that as much as as a society we talk up you know everything has to be romantic and perfect there's stuff like Mm -hmm. that i think it's such a nice memory though it's like you guys got away you watched a movie like the weekend that billy and i went away when we got engaged i think we watched like wally Mm -hmm. just because it was starting we're like oh wally and you had a nice seen it before of course and then got engaged like (laughs) yay Yeah, it doesn't have to be a big moment. The small moments are just as important. Yeah, plus we were at the Mothman Festival, so that's <laughs> a cultural are... touchstone. You guys are adorable. That was that was definitely a circumstance of, I will do this for my girlfriend, because <laughs> I love her, and I'm hoping to propose to her and have her answer positively. <laughs> so let's just do this. <laughs> Oh, it it still kills me that you guys got engaged at the Mothman Festival. <laughs> it kills a lot of people. When I came home that from that weekend, I went to work and showed off my ring. My boss' first thought was, "Not the Mothman Festival." <laughs> it's so on brand, though. Yeah, I, I was like, "Come on." <laughs> okay, no, we have to talk sorry, about this sorry. chapter. No, yeah, no, this no, is a very it's serious my chapter. I'm the one getting distracted with talk of Doctor Sleep. I'm just a big Ewan McGregor fan, and that's no lie. Okay, Rightly so, so, yeah. So, uh, we have Paul and Bajaz leaving Othiam's house. And our friend Bajaz, he's very spooked. Oh, he's like, we've got to keep moving. Stop. Paul, Paul wants to stop and gaze at things. There's shadows. There's sand. There's noises. There's sh- more shadows. It's like, Bajaz Paul... is like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Paul, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what happens if you don't, you know, move your ass. Uh, yeah. You know, more and more people keep showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stilgar is there. Just like, I love how he's moving like a war machine. Head thrust forward. Feet striking the street solidly. Like, he's like, come on. I am coming <laughs> to save you. I like this description. Uh, Paul is just thinking, you know, uh, there's not... he. I thought things were going to change, but they're not. He hands over Pajaz to Stilgar uh, to say, like, look, you got to get him out of here. Like, he's very important. He is the key that we were looking for. More people keep showing up. Paul does not go with them because he is just looking at all these people who are starting to search the houses. Mm -hmm. And then there's ornithopters. There's more and more people. Paul very morbidly thinks of them as sacrifices. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Stilgar gets Bajaz and gets the hell out of there pretty mm-hmm. quickly, because the next thing we know is that there's, uh, all these guys are, like, the, these two buildings just sort of evaporate. Um, there's a hiss. Yeah. There's a hiss, and they call it a terracotta glow, mm-hmm. and Paul's just like, well, shit. <laughs> Uh, I like, I do like this part because he says, everyone starts screaming that it's a stone burner, which is basically an atomic bomb. Yeah. Uh, Paul throws his arm over his eyes and he, they say, he says, because it was required of him and it was already too late, which I like that because he already knows it's too late to save his eyes. It's too late to stop what he's doing. But if that happens, you should throw your arm in front of your face. You're going to do it even Mm -hmm. though it's not going to stop anything. Yeah. Um, so it was too late. Everyone's trying to leave, but 
it's too late for everyone. It's too late for everyone on the street. It's too late for everyone in the ornithopters. Yeah. Uh, now, Paul, it's important to know here that this dude who's just like the Talaxi are going to sell a lot of eyes. It's like, who's he? <laughs> Who brought yeah. this jackass who's just like, <laughs> well, everyone's going to get a lot of fake eyes in this town. Like, whoa. Yeah. Who invited you? I guess you? It- it is important to note that the stone burners, like main, the main danger from it, I'm sure there's some radioactive grossness that happens after, but the main danger is that it basically like boils your eyes out of your head. Yeah. Like yeah. they're not just blind, they no longer have eyes. Right. Um, there's already, you know, there's a lot of talk about the, the radiation and how it's too late once you've been exposed. Like, it's already mm-hmm. going to affect you. Yeah. Uh, Paul tells everyone to just calm down. Uh, he thinks a little bit about, you know, what could have, you know, what might happen. Because he doesn't know how strong it was. But it turns out that it was basically just as strong as it needed to be to destroy the two houses and to mm-hmm. blind all of these people. Yeah, he says that um, a stone burner can hit in some planets can, like hit like the core like the molten core of the planet and Mm -hmm. you know like arrakis the the core of the planet is very very deep but it's all the more dangerous for that like if it was to hit the core it would basically crack the planet in half which would be obviously very bad it's also important uh to note that he also realizes that he is sweating so much that the still suit can't process it Mm-hmm. So he actually feels sweaty. Yeah, for the There's... first time. Uh, and that's, I mean, you have to imagine that's a lot of freaking sweat. <laughs> Everyone, the other thing that happens is that it is, in the old ways of the Fremen, you can't be blind, basically. Yeah. Um it's not even so much that there's nothing you can do, because obviously you could get the Tilaxu eyes, which not everyone wants. Right. Anybody. But it's specifically a Fremen thing. Like, that's sort of the one big one where it's like, well, if you can't sorry. see, yeah, then then your fate is you have you're set loose in the desert without a guide, without mm-hmm. a still suit. Yeah, and let nature take its course. Uh, so Paul can technically see because he can see through his vision, mm-hmm. uh, capital V vision. Um, yeah. Since he can see what's going to happen, he can use his prescience to basically see what's happening. Mm-hmm. So he's able to kind of fake the funk, as it were, because he knows who's standing there. He can touch you. He knows, you know, things that are happening, even though he doesn't have eyes. And this is important because almost immediately, as soon as people are like, oh, Usul's blind. Ooh, sorry about mm-hmm. having to go into the desert. Yeah. And he's just like, no, no. Stilgar wants to hide it. He meets back up. Stilgar comes back uh, with reinforcements to rescue everyone. He tells Stilgar that everyone who is there is going to get eyes on his dime. Mm-hmm. That he's going to pay to take care of all of them. And Paul's just like, we're not going to hide it. We're not yeah. going to pretend that this didn't happen to me. Uh, that's not what we're doing it. Like, we live by the Atreides law. Uh, and he says, the Fremen law that the blind should be abandoned in the desert applies only to the blind. I am not and, blind. Yeah. Which I, I thought was important to know. Stilgar is very like, whoa. <laughs> He's very freaked out by this whole thing. But 
because he's calling people by name and they're like but how is he doing that like he just looked right Mm -hmm. at me and was like we're gonna be okay yeah he tells one yeah he tells like one guy there's a wall right to your left within touch touching distance then like he'll he like grabs the handset the communicator without you know obviously Mm -hmm. without being able to actually see it but yeah and everyone's just like oh atomics because if we recall from dune atomics are like Mm -hmm. the big no-no yeah you can't own them you can't use them and it's just like shit all of the houses great and small are gonna be very up in arms about this he says you know they can't have made it without leaving traces so everyone is going to try to find this like you're going to get the equipment together and look for it and everyone's just like fine Mm -hmm. uh he says to call chani and tell him tell her that he's alive and he's coming back and he's just like all right here we go (laughs) uh and like the one big thing is just that like paul honestly is like don't worry about it stilgar i guess the worry is that I can see everything, so it might get boring. <laughs> like, Jeez, Paul. Like, having seen everything that's going to happen, he can, like, act it out. But it's like, dude, you didn't see Bajaz, so I would be a little mm-hmm. less Yeah, uh, and that just, that just happened, like, ten minutes ago, dude. Like, every, all right, you know. Like, that's fine if that's the way you want to act about this. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, then that's a big thing because he's he's right in that that was the old way, and there's no reason for that to be something that happens anymore. And I imagine that's probably an element of Fremen training that probably like kind of you know didn't sit well in his craw at the time, because I doubt on Kaladin if something happened that made you go blind, they just were like, well, out you go <laughs> on the boat, right. <laughs> Uh, so the concept of that was probably very like, well, you could still, you know, be useful. Like, it exactly. doesn't make you any less of a person, but that's their their way. And he's just sort of pointing out, like, no, we're doing less and less of that way. Let's not cling <laughs> to this one thing. Right. Like, all right, guys, like, maybe not this one. But I think Stilgar goes along with it because yeah. he's once again caught Muad'Dib fever. He's just well, like, wow, there's a reason I follow this guy. He's amazing. He's a miracle. I mean, frankly, that would kind of do it for me, too. If I was yeah. literally looking at the burned out holes where this guy's eyes right. used to be. And he was just like, oh, hey, Megan, how you doing? My nice shirt. <laughs> I'm like, ah! Yeah. Like, okay, uh, I take everything bad back. You got the magics. And I'm going to step away from you because you are unnerving to me. Any uh, chance you'll be starting a cult soon? And where do I sign up? <laughs> do we get little hats? I think that'd be a good idea. Just gonna step out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Then don't grow back, dude. You're not a vampire from True Blood. <laughs> that always grossed me out so much that like all their stuff grew back. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just one of those things that when 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 there are injuries in books particularly like fantasy sci-fi that have consequences that's obviously like a good thing a lot of times plot wise even if you want to say like can't there just be a a magic wand or a robot thing or something that will just make this not 
as much of an issue. But then mm-hmm. when there is that kind of moment or magic where they're like, oh, yeah, that person's legs were blown off, but they're growing back. You're just like, no, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the human so, salamander. The <laughs> <laughs> There's, did you read Lovecraft Country? I haven't, but, you know, watching the show, I kind of want to. I know there's a lot of differences from the show, but there's... I'm interested in the book one moment and it's just a throwaway thing about like the importance of like specificity and being careful with with magic mm-hmm. where a guy mentions that his mother lost the use of her legs uh doing one like one kind of spell or ritual that went awry mm-hmm. and that she died later on in his life because she tried a last ditch sort of magical effort to get her legs back and so she just asked whatever powers she was conjuring for legs and there's just this like offhand remark where he's like I didn't see her body so I don't know how many she grew (laughs) oh god but it was enough that it like overwhelmed her body and like her nervous system gave out and that was just like that was the one part where i was just like i had to put the book down for a second i was like because <laughs> it's just such an excellent little like don't fuck around with stuff yeah but also just me being like no 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 so it's just like maybe it's just as well that paul's not gonna get weird robot eyes because <laughs> but all the other men do yeah and I'm glad that he's paying for it, because I doubt that they have health care. Yeah. I think they just have to wait for Wadim to be like, you know what? Let's do it. It's cool. I have an em- emerald throne. Yeah. I mean, he I have can platinum afford floor it. tiles. I think I can get everybody some cool, some good eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there's um, kinds. There's like a catalog. You're like, ooh, I don't know what these metal balls. They seem a little disconcerting. How would you how would you look through the catalog though? You don't have eyes. Uh, I guess they could describe them. I suppose. They could have like a reader. Mhm. So, Paul tells the one guy that's like, "Oh, it had to be atomics." He charges this person with uh finding out where the stone burner was made. Um and everyone's kind of like, oh, Mwadib, he's, you know, he's the messiah. He's walking around without eyes. And um, this is when Paul says he, his biggest danger is that he get bored. And that's the end of that chapter, which mm-hmm. is kind of like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Weird note to end on, Paul. Yeah, it's a very important chapter. I mean, this is, mm-hmm. like, now shit is all just coming. Yeah. Because this, and this is, is, like, is kind of the thing that he's been waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, there are two big events happening in this book, and this is one of them. And, yeah, and th- for them to just be like, and we're done. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, then a week later. Like, what? A week? Yeah, yeah so I'll, I'll, I'll tackle this amazing uh, epigraph, which is oh, a yeah. poem. It's a song called The Moon Falls Down. Which is quite a bop. Uh, it's from Songs of Mwadib, and it has one of my least favorite words in it. Here we go. <laughs> he has gone from Aliyah, the womb of heaven, 
Holy, holy, holy. Fire, sand, leagues, confront our Lord. He can see without eyes a demon upon him. Holy, holy, holy. Equation, he solved for martyrdom. I mean, it's a terrible not... terrible poem. It's not really ever going to replace... Uh, you know, <laughs> it's not gonna gonna be a standard or anything. No, no, this is a niche. I don't, I don't see it hitting the top forty. It's a deep cut. Mm-hmm. So it's a week later. Yeah. Uh, everyone is, you know, everyone's just talking about the stone burner attack because I mean, wouldn't you be? Yeah. Uh, there's. Everyone's being very quiet because I think they're all doing that thing where someone is sick or injured, and so everyone's just being quiet, even though that has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, because Paul, you get the feeling Paul wants to be like, I don't have eyes, like I don't. It's mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> like everyone can just act as if they're going about their business because it's, yeah. it's really okay. Uh, so there's still. I like that they say talk of the stone burner still floated around. It's like okay, a week ago, an atomic weapon went off. I mean, they're allowed to still talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's this not like they're living the in 2020. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I was thinking? Some... Like, reading this. Like, it was, what, like a month ago? Two months ago? That a huge explosion happened in Lebanon? Yeah. Like, and that was a huge story. And that would have been, like, the story of the year. Had we not been living in this year... <laughs> Had this not been 2020. Yeah. Well, it's like when they have that news broke about that couple getting indicted for waving their guns at protesters. I was, I was like, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that happened this year. That was something that happened. <laughs> 2020, man. <laughs> it's 2020. Yeah. So uh, there's a guy who says that, you know, apparently one of the men says that he'll commit suicide rather than get to lack two eyes. I like mm. this person who says, I don't like talk of eyes. That's me. That's my yeah. cameo in Doom That's Messiah. You and, and our friend Brian Skinner, who... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anytime there's anything to do with eyes, I think there was an episode of Hannibal, which, which featured a close-up of a needle going into someone's eye. He was very See, unhappy also, about that. Fire in the Sky. Oh, my God. That oh, one was gnarly. I will give you that one. That one yeah, was gnarly. Yeah. And it was aliens. He, so yeah, that's, that's mine and Skinner's cameo is where the two people talking about how we don't like eyes and <laughs> we're saying it in unison. So it says, Monty passed me and called me by name. How does he see without eyes? <laughs> uh, apparently a lot of people are leaving. Yeah. Uh, and the names say they're going to go for a grand council. Yeah. And also, Korba is a prisoner. They have taken Korba prisoner, and everyone's just like, holy shit, and they arrested Korba. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Chani is just like, I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, she wakes up, she's starving, she has some nice spice bread and some cheese waiting for her. Oh, delightful. That sounds amazing, yeah. That's it does, how I actually. Wake I was up. like, mm, just waiting for me on a dish. Uh, so he's got, she sees, so she's... I feel really bad for her because she wakes up and Paul is sitting there um, and he's just kind of staring into space. I mean, and we hear that, you know, his eyes, it says what the stone burner had done with its particular affinity for eye tissue. All that ruined flesh had been removed. Injections and unguents had saved the stronger flesh around the sockets, but she felt Mm. that the radiation had gone deeper. 
So the idea that she, you know, this is the man that she loves and, you know, yeah. she feels horrible what's happened and, you know, loves him regardless, but there's still this element of like, ooh, mm-hmm. like, I don't like looking at that. It's like, no, that's fair. That's okay. Uh, so she eats, she eats her cheese. Yeah. And he's just kind of like, sorry. <laughs> sorry about all this, babe. Uh, yeah. But they're getting ready to go into the desert. Because he keeps, like, looking at her, and she knows that he can see her, even though he can't see, and she's just like, I don't like that. I mean, I know <laughs> I know it's just part and parcel of this whole, I, uh, you know, am in love with Wadib, but oh, mm-hmm. boy. <laughs> and he's apparently started saying things like, I was baptized in sand, and it cost me the knack of believing. Who trades in faiths anymore? Who will buy? Who will sell? <laughs> And she's just like, I don't, I just want to eat my bread. I mean, I honestly can see how she would think that the radiation has gone deeper. Like, into into his brain, clearly. He doesn't want, he has refused to even consider getting the fake eyes. Um, So she gets out of bed and she's just like, I like that she she notes that his dark hair stood up must from a sleep that hadn't healed. And I like that because I feel like, yeah, especially Mm -hmm. when you've been injured or sick. You could sleep for hours and you wake up and it's like, well, that did nothing. Like, I yeah. still feel like shit. Uh, so, yeah, they're going to go into the desert. And but they he means it in a like picturesque way. Like they're going to mm-hmm. go back living in the desert, not the way other people are meaning it. Like go into the desert. Yeah. Well, they'd already decided that she was going to give birth in the desert. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's just like, you know, our baby's going to be great. Uh he says, a child of ours will rule such an empire that mine will fade in comparison. Such achievements of living and art and sublime. And she's like, yeah, but we're here right now. Like, we have to deal with the now. Maybe we could just not talk about the future. <laughs> we could deal with what's happening. And she thinks that she feels that they have so little time. Uh, he's all like, well, we have eternity. She's like, yeah, you maybe have eternity. I'm just here. Right. Um... The baby starts kicking, and he's just like, aw. He calls the baby little ruler of the universe. And that part's kind of cute. Yeah. And she's like, I mean, he knows, right? He oh, my knows. God. She's like, he's always talking about the baby as a singular baby. Haven't the she... medics told him that I'm having twins? Okay, but why? This is my question is, why didn't the medics tell him? Well, it's like the medics haven't brought it up i suspect for the same reason that she hasn't which is that he's so blithely just talking about this baby as one baby mm. that they're all like oh doesn't mm-hmm. he know everything it seems awkward to contradict him yeah i also i find it interesting that there's no point where she wonders if maybe that means something's wrong you know like i she never seems to consider that maybe he's saying that because like they're going to lose one of the babies or something like she just is sort of like well it's weird he doesn't seem to know oh like mm-hmm. we have other stuff to worry about and it's like really uh she's like yeah he knows everything and he knows everything about me so he must know that we're having twins i just won't mention it <laughs> <laughs> i just won't bring it up i mean i don't know what it would have changed but then they totally do it Although we yep. get kind of a fade out. Oh, yeah. It's a fade to black moment, but you know that they've had sex. It's heavily oh, yeah. implied. Yeah. And it's, 
they get up afterwards and she's just like, if everyone else knew how great you were and how much you love, and it's just like, that's a little awkward considering, Johnny. Like, I don't think everyone needs to know that last part. Yeah. <laughs> but he, of course, has now become a big old, like, grumpus. Uh, you know, people, people want you to be a despot. And he, she's like, you're not a despot. And he's like, oh, whatever. And then he starts talking about <laughs> laws and he's just, oh, he's gone. And she's like, your laws are just, and I, it just has this ring of being like, she's being the supportive partner, but <laughs> mm. that's kind of bullshit. Uh, he's just, yeah, he goes, you'll find the serenity, which is just another word for death. It's like, oh boy, his father's <laughs> uh, son. Can we calm down, please? Futility. Oh, the futility. These, the Atreides, they love to look out a window. Mm-hmm. And just think about how the world is shit. <laughs> I mean, I can relate to that That's these fair. days. <laughs> um, she, yeah. And she, she has all the best like inner thoughts in this chapter. Because then mm. she thinks that it's as if he's taking this Fremen maxim, which is never to forgive, never to forget, and whipped his own flesh with it. Which is so good, because it's just, mm. she's like, he's really internalizing some stuff that maybe he shouldn't. Like, ooh, this is getting very awkward. I also want to imagine that even though we have descriptions of her getting dressed, that, like, he hasn't, and it's just, like, he's just at the window. It's like, Paul, Paul, babe, uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's an ornithopter right there. Right. <laughs> like, back up, babe, babe. Uh, so, sees. We have a little thought. He's just like, you know, time isn't standing still. He's inhaling darkness. Blah, blah, blah. But yeah. there's going to be the council, and he's sending Alia. Yeah, so then we switch to Alia's POV. Uh, so she's, like, looking out her window, um, and she's watching all the stuff that's going on. She keeps looking at Corva. And she's trying to remember him as this, like, you know, bearded, rough Fremen that was a commander Mm -hmm. in in the days before. And that now he's become an immaculate fop. Yeah. He's wearing, which sounds pretty great. He's wearing a silk robe that lay open to the waist, revealing a beautifully laundered ruff and embroidered undercoat set with green gems. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is actually a pretty sweet look. I'm not going to front. I'm really not going to blame him. It sounds like something Prince might have worn. Yeah. yeah, just around the house. Yeah. Uh, everyone's looking, like, she's trying to look at everyone and think, like, how these Fremen used to be, but they've all become hedonists. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, er. Uh, <laughs> they all keep glancing around. She can tell that they're thinking about how, frankly, creepy it is that her brother is blind but can still see. Because uh, they're still half thinking, like, you know, he's blind. We need to give him out to the desert. You know, his water goes to Shai Hulud, but yeah. he can still see us, and he's also Mwadi, but uh. and now they're all just, like, starting to realize that we don't like buildings, and we don't yeah. like these courtyards. I wish I was still living in a sech in the desert where I knew what was going on all the time. Yeah. But I think Ollie has kind of been there for a while. Yeah. She's just like, I remember when I was a kid, like, you know, three years ago, when life was easier. <laughs> and there's Sletter from her mom. Oh, my God. Which, Jessica. I love Jessica. You all know this. We love but Jessica. But this letter. But this letter sucks. 
I mean, it already sucks that she was just like, peace out. Um, so she t- picks up this letter. And so Jessica's first big thing is that even though people are just di- dying to go to Kaladin as part of this Hajj because it is Paul's birthplace, Jessica's mm-hmm. like, no. Yeah, she's I not live having... here. We're not doing it. She was like, I know Paul has his little religion, but <laughs> I don't want these dirty pilgrims, like, tramping yeah. all through my... A rabble invasion. Yeah, it's like, oh, Jessica. <laughs> and, like, Alia is thinking about how it's strange because, like, instead of sending a recording, her mom wrote this letter and she's just like, my mom touched this paper. So it's kind of like I'm touching her because, like, you know, I haven't it's seen sweet. my mom in years and she abandoned me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's written in the Atreides battle tongue. So it's actually, like, much more secure than any recording could have been. Mm-hmm. And so this makes Alia start realizing, like, she starts having these thoughts about how messed up and blurred her personality is with her mother's. Mm-hmm. How the fact that sometimes she thinks about Paul as her son. Yeah. As opposed to her brother. And how sometimes if she tries to think about her father, she remembers him as a lover. Yeah. Which, at least, thank God, she never actually met him. At least there's that. I mean, it's still, like, but at least she could just kind of hopefully take a step back of, like, I don't technically really know who that man is. Moving on. (laughs) We've never Uh, occupied the same space at the same time. So... This is also badass, which is she's starting to reread the letter as she's going down to her personal guard, which are all guard Amazons. I love it. So badass. And so Jessica says, here we go. I'm reading this because, oh boy, Jessica. Okay. You produce a deadly paradox. Please note that this is all, I believe, written to Paul. And I don't know that she even mentions all. Yeah, there's like, P.S. <laughs> uh, hi to that other one. <laughs> Government cannot be religious and self-assertive at the same time. Religious experience needs a spontaneity which laws inevitably suppress. And you replace conscience, replace even the religion by which you think to govern. Your laws eventually must replace morality, replace conscience, replace even the religion by which you think to govern. Excuse me. Sacred ritual must spring from praise and holy yearnings which hammer out a significant morality. Government, on the other hand, is a cultural organism particularly attractive to doubts, questions, and contentions. I see the day coming when ceremony must take the place of faith and symbolism replaces morality. And so she's basically just like, <laughs> dude, you can't with this religion. Yeah. You can't, you can't do both. Govern, you can't govern with a religion. Like, you know, you can't be the god emperor. Right? It's it's not going to hold its moral center. Like, you're not going to have, like, a, a government built on religion can't hold a moral center. No, and I mean, I think that that's absolutely correct. Oh, totally. And, I mean, Corba and his robes. I mean, how much mm-hmm. How much does Corbo really, is he a true believer versus he likes all the creature comforts? Like, if Paul said, everyone yeah. who works for me has to not have fancy robes, would Corba still have wanted to be part of it? But, mm. so... Alia's just like, oh, I smell coffee. I enjoy that she's just <laughs> going to this meeting and, like, someone's made coffee. Her guard Amazons are there. She's like, oh, time to start the day. <laughs> Hope there's some Danish. Like, oh. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> little breakfast, little breakfast spread. Nothing fancy. Just some, you know, some bagels. Yeah. Cream cheese and, and jam. The, the Fremen aren't necessarily happy to see her there. No. Yeah. <laughs> 
But she's there as a reverend mother, not as not as the goddess. Yeah. But as not as is Paul's sister, technically. You know, right. she's just she's there, you know, saying, like, look, I'm a reverend mother, like mm-hmm. it or not. We have to we have to officiate these things. And you know what I think? I think that Alia is more Fremen than most of the Fremen in this book. Oh yeah. Maybe not Stilgar, that... but for the most part. Yeah, she's maintained so much of that lifestyle because I think it did ultimately, once everyone kind of got used to her, you know, that was the closest thing to sort of family that she had. And like knowing that lifestyle and growing up in it as opposed to Paul, who was, you know, 15. And yeah, I think that, yeah, she definitely just sometimes wishes that they are all just like living together again in a sitch somewhere and not all this other stuff. Yeah. And- being together and you know not like even just being in danger all the time brought Mm -hmm. them closer together i mean now it's like a different kind of danger and that's that's the difference of dune and dune messiah too is like the the dangers are so different and i think even you know when we talked obviously about age differences and whatnot but even the stuff with hate i think she also realizes that if they were back in the search and this same thing had happened like this goal had still existed if she'd met this person it would have been so much simpler because she just could have been like oh i like him and then they'd have gotten married yeah you know and it would have just been like all the normal confusions of being a teenager and all of her mm-hmm. you know alia stuff would have still been there but there still would have been this sort of i'm not a goddess a simplicity to it yeah. yeah just a sort of like well, all right, cool. Like, I guess I'm married. That's neat. Like, yeah, here, hold my water rings. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so everyone just starts, like, bickering, and she's like, you know what? <laughs> I don't have time for any of this. Yeah. Uh, she's glaring at everyone, and so Stilgard reads the, the charges. I like that there's a paper scroll, spice paper scroll. So mm. they're going all the way from it. Like, we're even oh, yeah. spice paper... So they are saying that Corba conspired with traitors to have Paul killed with the mm-hmm. atomic. Yeah. And Corba's just like, no, no, no. But Corba was uh, the one that brought the the atomic, the stone burner onto the planet. Yes. Because he, like, didn't know what it was or something. I don't even or remember. Or he said he wanted to protect, like, he wanted to protect the... Like, the priesthood and the, the temple and all of that stuff. He's like, you know, it's for protection. That's but right, because he... it was stolen. And so he was like, but I just wanted to make sure no one bad got it. So I took it. <laughs> like, mm. It's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's so like dumb. every moment in a law and order where someone isn't part of a murder, but they're like, okay, I'm going to hide this gun. And you're like, <laughs> no, no. Oh, oh, no stop what are you doing (laughs) so he's just like look he wants to confront his accuser because that's like his like right and you know she's just like all right so she's looking at corba and everyone is like well we know him he's not the greatest guy but he's corba (laughs) he's he's the george costanza of this oh my god they're like not brilliant (laughs) corba but reliable not one to lead a jihad, perhaps, but a good choice of supply officer. Not a crusader, <laughs> but one who cherished the old Fremen virtues. <laughs> like, oh, just a dude. 
I enjoy also that he's like, who accuses me? I have a right to confront my accuser. Because she kind of knows, he, he can kind of tell that everyone's sort of turning to his side up in the audience. So he mm-hmm. gr- draws some confidence from that. And is just like, yeah, that's right. I want to accuse my accuser directly. And Holly is just like, perhaps you accuse yourself. And she's, <laughs> and he's just like, oh God. <laughs> and I love it because there's this moment where he's just like, oh no, the creepy girl. <laughs> she's pointing but at no. me um and now yeah, she, i get pissed she, off yeah she tells him that he can't because othium was his accuser and othium's dead yeah yeah and she says you know look our enemies have to have fremen allies because they're attacking in a way that only a fremen would think of they're mm-hmm. destroying water traps and blasting things they're plant they're poisoning all of the plantings mm-hmm. you know storage basins have been plundered and then Paul Paul comes in. Paul comes in and is like, drama. Yeah. Have I mentioned <laughs> I'm here for drama? <laughs> and he announces that they've stolen a worm from the desert and taken it to another world. No. And so Paul comes through. Uh, and he walks over to Alia. Chani's with him. Stilgar is just like, how you doing? Won't look at Paul's <laughs> face. He's like, mm. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. Uh, Paul is just like, so Corba, no words of praise for me. Like, I thought you were my number one dude. Wow. Yeah. All right. And so everyone's just like, oh my God, he's blind. Why is he here? And he's just like, I'm not blind. Is it you? Do you say I'm blind? Like, hey, Bo, are you the one? I'm looking at you. <laughs> hey, like, you. Nice in the shirt. Pink... Yeah. yeah. You in the pink shirt. <laughs> like, oh, I love this when he goes, who? You. You, Regifiri, I see you're wearing gold today and that blue shirt underneath it, which still has dust on it from the streets. You always were untidy. You're like, damn. <laughs> Paul. A burn. He starts doing this whole, like, you know, point your fingers at yourself because we know where <laughs> the evil is. Um, Corvus is like, well, I may look guilty, but I am not guilty. I may have known people who were guilty and, like, talked to them. So Corbin's big thing is he's just guilty of being stupid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Uh, he starts looking around at the gallery again, and Paul's like, well, who are you looking for? And Corbin's like, well, you don't care. You can't see. And he's like, uh, I don't need eyes to see you. And so this is the part that I just like, because it turns out, I'll just say it now, that it turns out mm-hmm. that this has all been kind of a big, like, you know... It's all a game. Yeah. Because there's a moment where Stilgar... So, Alia realizes that Corba's going to break. And this is when she says, well, you know, Othium accused you. And he's like, but he's dead. And she realizes that, like, he's going to keep... You know, this is when he admits that he stole the stone burner Mm -hmm. and that he wanted it for them and all this stuff. And he goes, you know, it was stolen. And then, uh... Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. And so, he... They keep going on and on and on. And he's just like, you know, I should just free you because all the people, like all the men that were injured have friends and they have family. Like, you'll never be safe anywhere. Like, there's nowhere mm-hmm. you could hide. I don't have to kill you. Like, I don't have yeah. to do anything. And, you know, Corbus is like, this was an accident. Like, I didn't mean for this to happen. It got stolen. I didn't know. And then Stilgar steps up and is just like, 
well, you know, he's right. He should get to confront whoever is actually accusing him. Like, he has mm-hmm. to be faced with it. And Ollie is just like, why is Stilgar trying to break this up? Like, this was going so well. So she starts to suspect that maybe, like, something's up, like, with Stilgar. Yeah, she's like, he's she's never like... been this stuck up about the law. Yeah, and she's like, there's been a dramatic change in you. <laughs> Which surprises him that she picked up on that. And then it turns out that this was, like, a plot that Paul and Stilgar had put together. Mm-hmm. But, of course, no one told Alia. Which uh, I just... Yeah. I just find it sort of stuff annoying. Because, like, Corvus just like, I want my own counsel. Because he appoints Stilgar. Because they're going to go lock Corba up until he can have, like, an actual trial, basically. Mm-hmm. And hear more people. And he's she just, does, like... Uh, she does tell Stilgar that she knows he's he's intending to disobey Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just like that everyone leaves and Alia just goes, Paul? <laughs> like, <laughs> alright, dude. What the <laughs> fuck? Yeah. And he's just like, you know, thank you, Silgar. You played your part. Alia has identified all the names who were with him. And she's just like, you cooked this up? I'm like, great, guys. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for telling Alia. Yeah. You suck. Just give them a finger. Like, yeah, this is what I said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she says, you know, Rajafiri is definitely with them and Sajid. And she, he's just like, well, tell Stilgar. And she's kind of freaked out. Like, she knows how Paul's sight works, but she's still like, it is kind of <laughs> weird. Uh, everyone kind of admits that they're freaked out by Paul. And so Ollie is just like, I'm going to go and do, like, the morning audience. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, this is when Paul and Stilgar have this moment. My child's trying to break in. Uh, <laughs> yikes. Um, so all the supplicants are going to come and, and have their little, like, all the things that they want from, you know, Mwadib and all is like, I'll sure. do it, fine. And so she says that she's been, a, there's been a, this is when she tells Stilgar there's been a dramatic change in him. And he's just like, What? And I like that he's more offended by the concept that he changed dramatically. Yeah. He's like, people do change, but dramatically? Well, I don't think that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Drama was a questionable thing, which I want on a t-shirt. Just that phrase. (laughs) That would make an excellent shirt. It is true. (laughs) Um, He's just like, well... I don't want to be dramatic. Imported entertainers of dubious loyalty and more dubious virtue were dramatic. <laughs> He's so offended. <laughs> She's calling him dramatic. It's like Fraser's dad. Like, <laughs> pretty dramatic dad. I'm, I'm not dramatic. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, and then he says that she's being perverse, which I also just love that he's just like, stop it. Don't say that I'm dramatic. Ew. Like, Alia, <laughs> being but perverse. Stop it. Paul, <laughs> yeah, no. She's like, you know I don't distrust you. Like, don't even try. Uh, and he's like, well, then why do you say that I've changed? And she goes, because you're preparing to disobey my brother. Like, I can tell. Yeah. Like, I hope right. it doesn't destroy you both. And then she turns away and he's just like, uh. And he goes, his face was filled with the things she'd sensed to her mother's letter. The replacement of morality and conscience with law. You produce a deadly paradox. And I think that that's, you know, something that does come up a lot, which is, you know, things can be illegal that mm-hmm. aren't wrong. 
Yeah. And that something can be legal but not right. I mean, there's lots of that. I mean, oh, that is so, much. so relevant now. Oh, boy. When you look at what's happening now. I mean. Yeah, like everywhere, like anywhere in the world. Like that, that's, yeah, it's a huge thing. And that's like a huge issue. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I, I do love when Alia and Stilgar have these little moments. Because I do think that there was a part that, you know, because obviously his wife, was like the first thing that all he ever said was I love you Hara so I think that there is this mm-hmm. element of like and my kind of stepdad like you know <laughs> yeah like my kind of step godfather and yeah. since Jessica left she's got this and it's the same I think that there's not enough well I mean he would be her main father figure mm-hmm. I mean outside of her own you know sort of memories her her memories that she's gotten from the water of life there's times like that that it sucks that she can't get elements of Paul's memories because he would yeah. have memories of Leto being a dad. Yeah. And I do think that more was made of that idea, the confusion that Alia would have with something like a relationship with Stilgar where she would see him both as a peer and as someone she was above and as her dad. Yeah. As opposed to just, we get all of that complication and it's only kind of channeled towards her feelings towards hate, where it's mm-hmm. like, I'm a virgin, but also I've had sex a million times and, yeah. you know, all that stuff, where I would love to have more of a look at her being like, I have memories of my mom, like, sassing off to you, but also, yeah. please tell me a story, because you're my dad. <laughs> like, you know, just, I'm hundreds of years old, but I'm also 10. Maybe yeah. I could just, like, hang out with you. that's so it's so hard though i mean just imagining how difficult i mean i really what's what comes up in children of do or yeah in children of Mm doom like you know ollie has never had it easy no not for a single moment of her life not uh, no like Mm -mm. almost immediately everything went went wrong uh and that's what does ultimately cause me so much frustration in Children of Dune because there mm-hmm. is so much that everyone's just kind of like, well, yeah, sucks about Alia. It's like, come on, guys. I know. Anybody, you know, poor Duncan occasionally is just like, honey, how about some empathy? Can we try that? <laughs> Duncan coming in with a cup of tea, like, you okay, <laughs> babe? How you doing, sweetheart? Babe. checking on you. Babe. 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 <laughs> Do you want to order a pizza? Babe. Yes. I always want to order a pizza, Duncan. <laughs> Duncan, you should know by now. The answer is yes. Just <laughs> just do it. Just order the pizza. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, I, I, no, the joke I was going to make is too spoilery for Children of Dune. But uh, <laughs> there's just a lot... You you do, though it is tragic and sad, you can picture a lot of moments that aren't described where Duncan slash Hate is just walking in on a lot of shit that he's just yeah. been like, uh, babe? <laughs> <laughs> Everything cool? The hell? I'm gonna go? Yeah. <laughs> Bye? <laughs> I'm gonna go stare out a window. It's the Atreides way. Yeah. 
Oh, boy. Well, yep. so that's those two chapters. Mm-hmm. We are so close to the end of Doom Messiah, so everyone. So close. It's exciting. Is, it is nigh. It is almost upon us. It's going to get pretty sad. Indeed it this is. This morning, everyone. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've read this one, so I expect I might get emotional. We'll see. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I like it when you never know what's going to get you emotional. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes you just read something or see something, and you're just like, why am I sad? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I saw something recently that someone was talking about uh, the movie Cold Mountain mm-hmm. and how it doesn't hold up. Which I'm sure is fair. I actually haven't seen it. But then that always reminds me that the reason I haven't seen it is because I read the book and I cried mm-hmm. so much at the end of that book that I was like, I can't watch the movie. Yeah, I and mean, I, I've seen the movie I, and I thought it was good. But know. then I think about it and I'm just like, what was going on with me that I like, I remember I called my boyfriend at the time, like in tears, <laughs> just like, cold mountain. <laughs> and like now when I think about it, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> maybe i've just read yeah. too many other sad things in between but for some reason that one really just was like no <laughs> i'm trying to remember the last thing that got me like that and i like oh um it was an episode of the leftovers not surprisingly well, from, yeah from what i understand that's not unlikely it, yeah it was just like the i think it was like the third or the yeah like the second or third to last episode I just walked into Brian's office and I was just like sobbing and he Aww. was like, are you okay? I was like, this episode of this show and this thing happening. Yeah, it never, it's interesting for me that that sticks with me so much because I can and do cry at literally everything. Mm, I cry same, at sad commercials. Same. Yep. I cry at music videos. Mm-hmm. I cry at that Christian the Lion YouTube video <laughs> um, with My Heart Will Go On oh, over sure. it. And there's no reason. There's no reason <laughs> I should cry at that. But every time I'm just like, he remembers his oh, family. It takes nothing to make me cry, honestly. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's ridiculous. I've gotten, like, tweets from people that I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, meh. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? But yeah, so there's going to be moments of that. Because there's already been a few like pinging moments where I'm rereading. And I'm just like, oh no. Yeah. Oh, why won't anyone just tell Paul she's having twins though? Yeah, it's wild to me. Yeah. I had almost forgotten that she knew. I think yeah. because no one ever mentions it to Paul, I had just sort of reset it in my mind is that no one knew and that it was just a surprise that he didn't know because obviously, like, you know, he knows everything. But yeah. it was like, oh, no, that's right. She does know. Like, everyone knows him and just no one will say it. Oh. Because <laughs> you'd think at that point she would just flat out ask, like, is one of the twins not going to make it or something? You know, is there a reason you're only talking to one of our babies? <laughs> just like one of those two babies in there is like hey yeah i beg your pardon i'm here too thanks <laughs> but i don't know i mean poor chani she just wants to eat her cheese i mean don't we all yes <laughs> especially well, now that i'm not eating cheese oh i know i'm sorry <laughs> so sad i love cheese so much i do too that would be really hard for me 
if I, I just, you know, listeners, I've been having some, some stomach issues. So like they're trying to figure out what's up, but in the meantime, I've been cutting out a lot of stuff. So I've been cut, I've cut out dairy and it's just mm-hmm. now faced with the possibility that they might come back and be like, yeah, you're going to need to never eat cheese again. Be like, no, <laughs> 2020, 2020 strikes again. Yeah. Oh my God. I know the curse. Yeah, it is a curse here. <laughs> but you know it's not cursed, this show and our Mm-mm. wonderful, wonderful listeners. Exactly. And our wonderful patrons on Patreon. We just recorded our monthly Q&A. We did it in costume. It was a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> it was very sweaty. <laughs> yeah, Almost. it's hard to just wear costumes and sit in one's office, apparently. <laughs> like... Huh. Never having very... really dressed up at work because I just didn't want to be bothered. Oh I, my god. I never had that experience before, so this was something. So this one year this one year, I was working at a hedge fund at the time and it was a horrible job. It was miserable. It was the worst job I've ever had, period. Anyway. I was working at this hedge fund. And I decided it was Halloween was like on a Thursday or a Friday. And I was like, it's Friday. I'm going to dress up. It's Halloween. Like almost nobody's in the office on Fridays. It's no big deal. (laughs) So I dressed up that year as Han Solo because we were going to a party and I was going to be Han and my husband was Leia. So (laughs) like I dressed as I just wore my Han Solo costume, which is pretty like it's it's not anything that if you take off the the belts and the little gun and yeah. everything like it it's just an outfit but my boss was furious <laughs> with me <gasps> for dressing oh, no. up she was absolutely livid because she <gasps> like i supported at the time i worked just under the coo or no i'm sorry the cfo and she she just like it you know the Wall Street types, they're not into any kind of fun mm. <laughs> or frivolity or festivity. No, it was, she was like, um, don't ever do this again, basically. <laughs> so God. it was a very uncomfortable day. Yeah, that is always. But my coworkers loved it. Yeah, and that's the thing, like. I am, I've been very fortunate. Um, I, I obviously, as many people now do, I telework, but when I did, when I do go to the office, I've been very fortunate in that since I work at a library. Our dress mm-hmm. code is basically just don't, you know, have clothes on and no brand, you know, no t-shirts and say things or anything like that. Yeah. So everyone is just, it's, it's pretty for the most part, casual, you know, some people, there's a pretty good mix. Some people wear like jeans and a shirt. Some people, I, I just tend to dress up a little more, just whatever. But the idea of dress codes, I have, as I've gotten older, have gotten less inclined to care about. Mm-hmm. It's one of those interesting things. It's like how people always say you become more conservative as you get older. Like I, if you had asked me 10 years ago about dress codes, I would have been like, well, you know, there's a time and a place. And now I'm just like, oh, are you dressed? like don't come to work naked i don't really want to see it uh other than that you know but the idea that you at least wouldn't cover that yeah 
you know, like, no, I don't believe in assumptions, specifically, particularly in professional settings. I just, I believe that in a job, if it is something like we don't dress up at Halloween, you have to make that clear. You have to just Mm -hmm. send out the little reminder email that says, by the way, so everyone remembers. But again, if you're not seeing important clients or you know, anything of that nature, then one, it shouldn't really matter. Or you just set some limitations. Like you say, like, don't come in full, like, you know, blood and guts. Yeah. Like, nothing you too know. overtly sexy. Yeah. Revealing. Nothing too sexy. No, t- nothing too gory. Like, you know, if you want to wear a witch hat, like, fine. Then you just say that. Just make things clear. And it's amazing how much easier your life goes. Yeah. If you just make things a little clear. So the idea of like that kind of situation, it's like, yeah, that's awkward for you. But it also offends me as a professional person because I'm like, then just say that. Like my boss would just say like, oh, by the way, we don't dress up here. Yeah. Like, was that so hard? But apparently I was expected to know that because we're a hedge fund. You know, and I think, like, one time there was something that I wore that was just, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't, like, practical. And my boss was just like, you can't really, like, do XYZ thing in that. And I was like, you know, that's a good point. Yeah. And it was by no means a call out or anything. It was just a, like, you know, maybe you should wear closed-toed shoes if we're going to be It's one of those blank. things that was just, like, the reaction was so over the top. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That. <laughs> it's like call would you i never want to be chill? a boss i <laughs> no. just don't even really want to be a supervisor or anything Mm-mm. but when i have when i hear stories like that i always just think like i at least wouldn't do that I'm like jesus right i would at least be clear about my expectations about stuff like that like yeah. just clean out the fridge every so often guys and yeah so it's no like... surprise that i took a pay cut to leave that that job no, no just not at like, all. I don't care that I'm making less. I've got to get out of here. But yeah, we wear costumes to our podcast because it's our podcast. And when we, we do what cool. we want. Yeah. We do. That's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So there's we're that. Up. Yes, we're coming up to the end. And, you know, um, Reach out to us. Tell us how you're liking the show. How you're if you're reading along. How are you liking Doom Doom Messiah compared to Dune? Like we want to get into it. We want to have these conversations with you guys. Um, yeah, and I've seen a lot. I mean, we we were kind of poking fun at the article that was just like, now you can have another year since the movie got pushed back to pretend like you're going to read Dune. It's like just read <laughs> it first of all, uh, or don't. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go into the movie not having read it. Whatever, that's your choice, man. Live your life. That's but fine, but I hate this. Seeing... Like, oh, haha, ha, I'm just not going to read this book kind of yeah. thing is like, okay, um, good for you. So I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of people that I follow, say that they're going to finally, like, redo in the middle of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, awesome. Like, keep on, yeah. like, chucking everybody. Like, welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Just, you know, you can, there's plenty, just save your cynicism for the text, because there's plenty of places you can apply that there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's enough that you can love and, you know, nitpick and everything. Oh, totally. Uh, And, uh, yeah, so everyone read Dune, um, if you want to. Yeah. Uh, If you'd like to review the show, we'd really appreciate it. Yes. It's actually a big help to us. We... You know, it makes us more visible. More people will listen. 
we'll keep doing it longer <laughs> i guess so you know you can leave and we us just, a, i mean we like it we like getting I, reviews yeah. so uh yeah we're at weirdingpodcast at gmail.com if you want to send us a letter we love letters uh mm-hmm. we love we still love seeing your old copies of dune yeah send us to those on twitter at weirding pod so I think that send dunes. Hashtag send dunes. So that's going to wrap it up this week, everyone. Uh, unless, Megan, you had something else to plug? Mm, no, not this week. Not this week, but... Uh, we up, I will. We're both over at thespool.net, where we write about television and film. So you can definitely check that out. There's a lot there that's totally worth reading. So check that out, and uh, we'll see you next time, everyone. Bye. Be nice. Take your spice. <laughs>